This is New York State of Crime, a true crime podcast exploring New York's most disturbing criminal cases. I'm Peter. I'm Brenna. All right, so today I've got, uh, it's not quite a full episode. Uh, we just wanted to talk about uh, the new Son of Sam documentary that's uh, that's out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Don't you mean Sons of Sam? Uh, yeah, I do. I do mean Sons of Sam. And uh, this is from the director uh, Joshua Zeman mm-hmm. or Zeman, maybe probably Zeman. Z-E-M-A-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. And it, it doesn't we'll matter. call him Zeman. Zeman. Uh, so, yeah, for I mean, I don't know how people wouldn't know who David Berkowitz is or who Son of Sam is is but i'll tell a story you want to tell a story yes okay because you're gonna tell about the documentary sure okay so i mean the basic overview i don't know a huge amount about it either there's we decided not to cover this case even though it's a infamous new york case just because so many people have covered it better and there's so many details to this case it would probably have to be like a five-parter and we just don't have that endurance so the basic gist of it is in the summers of 1970 76 and 77 okay that's what I thought. 76 and 1977 in new york city when the city was still gritty and crime ridden it was this uh, rash of shootings, specifically of women or young couples who were in their cars in lovers' lanes late at night, began. The first one was in the Bronx, and then a lot of them happened in Queens. Um, then a few in Brooklyn, then too. Then a few in Brooklyn, finally. And then one more in Queens, I think. Yeah. And I think a total of seven victims died. I believe... We could, we could look it up really quick. <laughs> I'm just like the, the general gist of it um, from the top of my head. So our, our figures are not exact. Um, but a lot of people were also injured who didn't die. And it created this huge culture of fear throughout the city, especially among young people who were having this, you know, great New York life um, suddenly had to be afraid of getting shot in their cars. Uh, yeah. Uh he was also known at this time as the 44 caliber killer because mm-hmm. of the weapon that he used mm-hmm. a 44 caliber revolver mm-hmm. uh, i'm still checking on the actual victim mm-hmm. count uh, and then it became very uh media sensationalized not only because of the crimes themselves but because a new york journalist jimmy breslin received a letter from the alleged killer um kind of taunting him uh, about his crimes. And then, you know, that was published um, in a newspaper before the investigators and police could really get to it. And it sort of sensationalized further the the killer and the crimes. Yeah, the the letters were kind of interesting. And they they also sort of brought this to like new public recognition heights Mm -hmm. because they were they were published letters and because of this sort of uh 
jaunty tone mm -hmm. of some of these letters, like this, this, this strange sort of, uh, um, they had like a little bit of like a strange lyrical quality to mm -hmm. them sometimes very, very mm -hmm. disturbing. And in the letters, it also uh, mentions a few people who start to become, uh, or at least should become people of interest in this case. And they don't, they don't ever mm -hmm. uh, become people of interest. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and then skipping ahead, um, I don't remember exactly how they get, oh, parking ticket. There was a parking ticket on the car that was seen near one of the killings in Brooklyn. And they it was in Queens, I think. Was it? Oh, well, yeah, let's, let's For some see. reason, I thought that was in Brooklyn because I remember there's this old Russian or Polish lady and I guess you could be Polish in Queens. <laughs> you could be Polish in Queens. You could be Polish anywhere, but I just assume. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, local resident Cecilia Davis was walking her dog at the scene of the Moskowitz and Violante shooting when she saw patrol officer Michael Cataneo ticketing a car that was parked near a fire hydrant uh, after the traffic police officer had left uh, apparently Berkowitz had been like walking around in the area and uh, saw this this lady walking her dog mm -hmm. and then she went home and heard shots not too long after that mm -hmm. uh, so this is Berkowitz's uh, yellow sedan i think it was a ford uh um so then he pays the parking ticket and they trace i guess it was the check or the the like return address yeah no they got they got his address from i mean from the ticket because it's from, issued to oh, you right, right, right. so they got his address in yonkers, in yonkers and then set up you know camped out there mm -hmm. to see what was up and eventually and eventually get him mm -hmm. there. And uh, weirdly enough, um, the Yonkers police dispatcher who like first received the call from this Manhattan detective to you know ask them to set this up and to help them was related to this case mm -hmm. in a weird way. Uh, she was a wheat car, and that is the daughter of Sam Carr and the sister of... Berkowitz's alleged uh, cult friends, John and Michael Carr. So that's just like an interesting little fact there. I'm not sure if it means anything, but it's it's a little strange. Mm -hmm. So wait, before we get into that, I was just going <coughs> to take, take it to the end of the thing where they trace him to Yonkers. They stake out his house. Finally, he comes out. He's approaching his car. The uniformed officer they sent to get him um says like you know stop who are you or whatever and he just like turns around and says i'm the son of sam and you caught me there's to, some uh, something you know abridged like that. <laughs> something of that nature um you know very like very cinematic um well i have the script right here actually this is this is what he said uh detective uh follow tico <laughs> Detective Falotico said to the suspect, Who have I got? You know, the man in the car said, No, I don't. 
You tell me. Berkowitz turned his head toward the cop and said, I'm Sam. The cop asks, You're Sam? Sam who? And Berkowitz says, Sam, David Berkowitz. Very creepy. Hmm. Um, apparently, there is an alternate version uh, that claimed uh, Berkowitz's first words were reported to be, Well, you got me. How come it took you such a long time? Which is much more closer to what you yeah, said. That's what I think they reported in the documentary that we're going to talk about. Um, that's what I seem to remember also. Yeah, that it was very just like a one-liner, and he was like, well, this is the end. Um, so then it very quickly devolves into uh, devolves into a, the police are sure they've got their guy. He just confessed. Um, this guy, David Berkowitz, who does not match any of the sketches that well, witnesses. He matches some of them. Well, there were a couple of different sketches. Um, but there's some question as to whether he actually is the most likely suspect uh, for all of the crimes they're trying to solve that have been labeled as Son of Sam killings. Um, But the police are just so happy to have ended this wave of fear in New York that they very, very quickly push this case through the pipeline um, and don't really look into it any further after that. And that is where the Sons of Sam documentary pretty much picks up. So what's what's the main idea of the documentary uh so this documentary is uh meant to follow the case and a certain reporter's investigation uh so this is this is sort of about uh maury terry Mm -hmm. sort of about uh the son of sam case and it really ends up being more about uh, Maury Terry, like a, as a person, than it does mm-hmm. about about Berkowitz and about the case. Uh, but it starts off on a uh, well, basically, kind of on not quite a lie, but on a concealed truth. So, in in the documentary, Zeman says he received boxes of materials in 2017, which were related to the murders from the. Uh, late investigative journalist Mari Terry. Uh, now, what he doesn't tell us is that he actually uh, had a relationship with Terry mm-hmm. and spoke to him at length for, I believe, several years about the Berkowitz case and uh, was at or near him when, uh, near his deathbed when he, when he died. Mm-hmm. So I think that is the first mistake right there that he Zeman chose to exclude himself and by doing that uh, totally issued like the the personal angle Mm -hmm. of of this and it could have been uh, maybe a bit more interesting if he had included uh, more of his own presence in in the telling of this since he was there speaking with uh, Maury Terry for um, such a long time uh, as as he was dying, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know I found that the editing choices and like general you know style of the documentary just felt I don't know pretty normal, just like kind of bland, you know, just like every every other 
true crime documentary is just like here is a montage of evidence pictures on the screen zoom into one of them Mm -hmm. you know wipe that stuff off put a picture of somebody else shaking up a guy's hand look at this thing you know just like very like normal and typical imagery Mm -hmm. yeah it did have some of those like cheesy bits like in the transitions but i did like they had a lot of good footage of like new york in the 70s which i just appreciated like the outfits and just seeing the city um so that was cool yeah the the location specific b-roll was yeah exactly um but the weirdest part that everyone's been talking about with this documentary is that like uh, this is like what is it a five-part documentary four Four or five parts yeah so like by the end of the first beginning of the second it takes this sharp turn into satanic panic yes satanic cult land and you're just like i'm sorry where are we going yeah um and i couldn't even tell it to you if i tried but so if you've seen it you know what we're talking about and if you haven't go watch it um but basically tries to connect the son of sam killings to a satanic cult that was active in yonkers in yonkers in in untermeyer park yeah that had some connections to north dakota was it north or south dakota north dakota north dakota it was very confusing um I, I don't know what else to say about that, except that it, it really started to feel far-fetched by the third and fourth episode. Uh, yeah, same for me. I mean, uh, I mean to be honest, for me, the highlight of the entire series came pretty early on mm-hmm. during the explanation of um, how they caught Berkowitz, you know, the, the parking ticket thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had, um, they had the guy mm-hmm. on here who made this connection. Uh, James Justice, a um, NYPD detective, now retired, of course. Um, so there was an interview with him, and that was nice, and that was kind of like the, you know, sort of not quite the gotcha moment, but it, that was like, wow, the parking tickets saved the fucking day, and mm. everyone thinks parking tickets are stupid yeah. or something like that. Um, and I think one of the reviews that I read, it might have been the Roger Ebert one, I'm not sure, um yeah kind of said the same thing there's kind of two big reveals through the documentary and one of them is just about how the police were so happy to solve this crime that they failed to look at how it may be more complex how there may have been more than one person involved um that they should have questioned more suspects and they just didn't and so the filmmakers are able to provide that evidence that wasn't previously looked at basically the reasonable doubt that David Berkowitz was the son of Sam and provides some alternate suspects and some evidence to show how they could be involved. That's kind of the one part of it that there's sons of Sam, not just one son of Sam. Um, and that's where I thought that I thought that was the end, like, cause they get to that first. Then it takes the satanic panic turn. Um, and that's, I think where it lost a lot of people. Yeah, it seems like Mr. Terry really, really got lost in the satanic panic thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it is true that, you know, that one little part of Untermeyer Park did have Satan stuff going on. And it is possible that Berkowitz was like a Satanist or something, but it's not really plausible at the grand scale that was implied in the documentary 
uh, that these were like sacrifices Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, there was some bigger conspiracy, you know, beyond that David Berkowitz was uh, having some kind of mental break or he was just unhinged and needed to concoct some reason for what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there it is interesting, though, that only, I think, roughly half of the uh, sketches from eyewitness reports match Berkowitz's description. Mm-hmm. And some of these sketches match uh, John or Michael Carr, who were the supposed... Uh, you know, associates with Berkowitz in this, uh, you know, satanic cult thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were the sons of Sam Carr. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the sons sons of of Sam. Sam. Yes. It's like when Mm -hmm. they say the name of the movie in the movie or something. Yeah. And then the letters also had a lot of hints um, to what was there was something about Johnny. Oh, Wheaties, Johnny Wheaties or something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Let me let me grab the. The transcript and then a of the reference letter. to a dog, which they did have. Um, so there are a lot of hints that the letter also could have been f- not from Berkowitz either. Uh, yeah, so there were a couple things in this letter. Uh, John Wheaties uh, is one of those that implies something. Uh, there's the uh, 22 Disciples of Hell, which maybe puts a number on how many sons of Sam there there might be. I mean, again, that's probably a stretch, but here in this section of the letter, he is like naming names and other associates like the Duke of Death or the Wicked King Wicker as well. (laughs) Wait, were those the names he wanted the media to call him? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so that's like the strongest evidence that that suggests there were more than one... uh, uh, killer mm-hmm. doing these crimes and and Berkowitz backs this up in his interviews uh, with Mr. Terry which are shown in portion in the documentary uh, but the the quality of the interviews is a little bit strange um, the first uh, first few clips seem normal ish uh, but as they keep going, it almost seems like Maury um, uh, is sort of feeding him answers mm-hmm. a little bit and maybe setting up questions to be answered in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And Berkowitz is becoming seemingly less and less interested and his answers are getting shorter and shorter. And it it, it just it seems a little strange. And uh, prior to that interview, um, Berkowitz had gone uh, sort of back and forth on uh, his official confession, um, first taking away the uh, satanic references and the cult stuff and then adding it back later Mm -hmm. and, you know, then amending it uh, quite a bit further Mm -hmm. down the road, actually. So it, it's he's always been a little a little wishy washy, mm-hmm. but um, it did it did seem a little bit like he might have been telling Maury what he wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's that's the other thing that 
I mean, that's not the other thing. That is like the biggest thing that kind of bugged me is how little those interviews uh, seem to bring to the table. Yeah, it was just, I felt like it was watching three different shows. I guess that was my main thing. Three different shows. Yeah, like the information, the story they were running with, uh, how it was presented, it just seemed to really quickly flip while you were watching it. Yeah. Do you mean from like supporting Maury to sort of like letting him like ass out in the breeze <laughs> toward the end? Because I, I feel like yeah. the, they spent a lot of time building his theories up and making him look really good and like really smart and yeah. then it just sort of starts to spiral and it ends you know with him losing his his wife like his career yeah. his his health and then eventually mm-hmm. dying probably due in part to like the stress and and just amount of effort he put into this case over mm-hmm. so many years yeah i guess that was the other thing is like we said earlier like the I remember one thing early on in the, maybe the first episode where there's just a bunch of people being like, oh, Maury, t- Maury, Maury was a really smart kid. He was always asking questions. Maury was always asking questions. And I was like, you're not fully sold that this is a documentary about this man or a documentary about Son of Sam investigation or a documentary about cults. Like, it's all over the place. And you're like, wait, why do they keep focusing on this guy? Um so I think that's what I mean by like three different documentaries that like on the one hand, it's the story of Maury Terry investigating Son of Sam. On the other hand, it's the story of Son of Sam and how the police fucked it up. Then on the third hand, it's a story about how the Son of Sam is actually about cults and Satan. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? By the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it seems mostly it just seems to be, a, a, you know, the story of Maury Terry like spiraling. Yeah. At the mm-hmm. at the end of his life. And yeah, yeah. pretty sad. And, you know, it's not like he was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, the police did hurry this investigation along. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, very quick to quash anything that that questioned that, Mm -hmm. including a a DA, Queens DA, wanted to reopen Mm -hmm. this. And they were like, nah, fuck you, son. All right. So a, a lot of people in the NYPD made their names and their promotions with the work that was done on this case so if it was overturned or if there was any any doubt on you know the quality of police work a lot of people were potentially going to be affected so you know of course the brass was like nah we're not doing that we it, we already said it's done it's done we're not fucking around don't you know we're not doing it right yeah so I think that's it. <laughs> if you guys have any comments or thoughts about the satanic cult aspect of this documentary, if you watched the documentary, uh, please let us know. I think I feel like I'm missing something. So if you feel like it was very convincing or you have any thoughts about it, send us an email. Yeah. Uh, so that's New York State of Crime at gmail.com. Or New York State of Crime on Instagram on instagram uh, our website is new york state of crime podcast.com this is new york state of crime no this is new york state of crime no 
this is New York State of Crime. No, this is Patrick. I'm Sarah Marshall, and I'm writing a book about the satanic panic. And I'm Ash. <laughs> it's our own podcast. Full body chills. <laughs> it's This American Life, I'm Ira Glass. This is Radio Lab. <laughs> W-N-O-C. Hey, you better have somebody fucking phone in the end credits for us on every episode. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. We could get a Google Voice number and have people call it and leave us voicemails. Ooh, yeah, that'd be great. It would be like that call a murderer phone that that guy did that ended up being yeah, like a fake or something. Yeah. All right, or we, we could get the MTA guy <gasps> to say it. He could say... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Except it would be, this is New York State of Crime. The next stop is podcast. <laughs> okay, we, this that's enough. This is a podcast-bound listen train. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Okay, great. New York State of Crime. <laughs>